Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi everyone, I'm David Garrido. Welcome along to this Lally Galodan mini-pod with Raiders Stakhanov and broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 in North America. We're recapping match day 33 in Spain's top division. We'll do it all well inside half an hour for you. We're starting off with the champions who are another step closer to retaining their crown. In fact, Barcelona can clinch the La Liga title in the next week after beating Real Sociedad 2-1 at the Camp Nou. Uh, they took the lead on the stroke of half-time. Usman Dembélé with a corner headed home by fellow Frenchman Clément Longley. La Real's equaliser came on the hour. Juanmi stealing in behind the Barca back line after Mikel Merino played him in brilliantly but Jordi Alba put the host straight back in front with a superbly drilled right foot finish 2-1 is how it ended and La Liga Lodan's Roman Derqued was at the Camp Nou on Saturday night how there Roman so how did Barcelona look after their midweek exploits in the Champions League Hi David well we didn't see Barca's best version that's for sure I mean they knew they just had to get the job done get those three points and stay nine clear from Atletico de Madrid and not worry about any possible surprises but so we just saw some flashes of their quality in this game and not much more to be honest Messi did have a few chances from that free kick position but it wasn't one of those great games you'd want to watch. Okay, let's have an update on Dembele's return from injury and Felipe Coutinho's relationship with the Barcelona fans after his gesture, after his goal against Manchester United. How do those situations look right now? So Dembele is still finding his peak uh, form right now. He's, he wasn't too good in this game, to be honest. I felt he was a bit lost on the field and also he was lacking a bit of pace to find those through balls his teammates were feeding him. Whereas Coutinho, I must say, he was booed by lots of fans in the game. I mean, they weren't happy with that gesture he showed the other game. Uh, there was a lot of insults towards him too, which wasn't nice, to be honest. And I think he's going to have to show he can um, prove them wrong on the field, score more goals, give more passes and play good games to end those boos and those insults. Okay, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, it was defeat, of course, for Real Sociedad. Just one win in nine for them now. But what positives can they take from this game, Roman? Well, I mean, uh, for them, the season was basically over. They still had some chances for Europa League, but that was really far away. So positives, I must say, maybe Juanmi, he scored three goals in the last four games. So that's really good for him because he had a tough start to the season. And then another positive was certainly the minutes that the youngsters are getting, such as Sangali, Baranechea and Muñoz. Yeah, we saw Baranechea come on at the end of the game. Uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about Ayen Muñoz. Um, what do you know about him? Well, originally he was a winger and now he's playing as a left back. So that comes to prove he knows how to attack when it's required. But he's a very disciplined guy. So he doesn't like to take too many risks. He knows he's still learning. He knows Alguacil is keeping an eye on him. He's giving him chances and he knows he has to provide good performances. And also he's managed to sit down Hernandez in quite a few games in the past. So that's uh, really positive for the future for him. 
Now for Barcelona, if they beat Alaves on Tuesday and Atleti lose to Valencia on Wednesday, they will be crowned champions. But we also know it's Liverpool that they face in the Champions League semi-finals. Roman, are they the biggest threat left in the competition for you? Out of the three teams, certainly. I mean, they're having a fantastic season in the Premier League, a fantastic season in the Champions League. And we know of their offensive prowess, their solid defence, that high pressure. I mean, that worries me quite a lot as a Barca fan. So I hope Valverde really looks into those aspects and can work on them with his players to actually make it through to the final. Okay, um, from the top of the table to a battle of the bottom two, Rayo Vallecano welcoming Huesca, both desperate for the win to somehow reignite their survival hopes. What followed? Frantic goal was straw by Yekas, Rayo dominating most of the game, Jose Angel Pozo striking the post, Raul de Tomas with a goal ruled out for a previous offside from Adrian Barba, uh, but Huesca then woke up before the end, had a go, Alberto Garcia had to make a couple of saves, Javier Cheta fired over the bar with the goal at his mercy, so nil-nil the final score. Uh, Roman, this was not a particularly high-quality game, uh, were the keepers the best two performers on the pitch for you? Well, I think Rayo were superior, especially in the first 45 minutes where they had lots of chances through Pozzo, uh, who hit the post, De Tomas, even Bebe generated some really good occasions. But in the end, it all came down to Santa Maria's performance, who was great defending the, the shots and, and all uh, Rayo's attacks. So Santa Maria was certainly one of the best uh, of the game. Uh, it is one win, two draws and two defeats for Rayo under Paco Jemez. Uh, what difference meaningfully has he actually made to Rayo since his return? Well, I think the team is way more ambitious offensively. They're generating more chances in attack and they're also moving the ball really quickly and efficiently. And also, I mean, Paco Gemez has been in Rayo previously as a manager and as a player. So he was a logical pick by the board to try and get the job done. And for Wesker, four draws in a row now, but that's just not good enough for them at this stage. Surely uh, the chance to stay up has gone and for Rayo as well, I would imagine. Uh, I think for Wesker it certainly has, well probably for both, but especially for Wesker. I get the feeling the players think so too, because these two last uh, performances haven't been the Wesker we've seen uh, previously. I mean, seeing that they're putting all that effort and barely getting anything in return, I think that must have really affected them somehow, and now they're not just as motivated to save themselves. Cheers for that, Roman. Okay, let's head from Catalonia to the capital. Karim Benzema produced an excellent second-half performance as Real Madrid beat Athletic Club 3-0. The Frenchman scoring a hat-trick as his super-scoring spree continues. The first two were headers from a Marco Asensio cross and then from a Luka Modric corner, after which the Athletic keeper, Iago Herrin, rushed out of his goal to head an upfield ball from his score straight against his own defender, Yuri Bicicci. And sub-Gareth Bale then laid the ball off to Benzema to lob it deftly into an empty net. Uh, Ewan McTeer was at this game at the Estadio Bernabeu. Hi there, Ewan. So uh, how much does the, the 3-0 scoreline actually reflect the game as a whole. Yeah, I think it's a fair scoreline. I mean, Athletic didn't really do much at all in attack, so Real Madrid did deserve a clean sheet, in my opinion. Uh, Keylor Navas made one very good save from Williams. Other than that, not much at all. And in attack, Real Madrid created enough chances that they probably did deserve to score three goals. And Benzema was at the heart of everything they did, so he deserved a hat-trick. Yeah, we have to talk about Benzema. He is the man for Madrid right now. Showed his killer instinct. Uh, so just run us through some of the killer stats involving Benzema, Ewan. Yeah, well, I mentioned he was involved in everything Real Madrid in the attacking sense in this game. That's been the case in the past few weeks. Eight of the last eight goals Real Madrid have scored have been by Benzema. That's quite crazy. That's never happened in Real Madrid's history. And Benzema as well, he's now got 30 goals in total for the season, just two away from his best ever haul in a Real Madrid shirt. And he's got more goals than Cristiano Ronaldo did at Juventus. Ooh, okay. Um, tell us, uh, meanwhile, about Gareth Bale's reception and his reaction. 
Sorry, David, I couldn't hear you. My ears are still ringing from that whistling when he came on. <laughs> it was uh, it was quite bad, and not just when he came on. Whenever he touched the ball as well, those first few times, that was pretty uh, surprising in my opinion. I've seen him whistled when he came on before, not when he's been on the ball like that. There were a few people trying to applaud him, trying to show him that not everybody hates him, but the whistles sounded a bit louder than the applause. Okay, um, one other Madrid player to ask you about. Uh, Jesus Vallejo started at centre-back. Your assessment of his performance? Yeah, he was very good. Um, in the second half, Iñaki Williams moved over towards his side. I was wondering at half-time why they weren't attacking Vallejo and why they were trying to attack Varane. Williams went over to Vallejo in the second half, caused him all sorts of problems, but Vallejo stood strong. The only criticism I would say was his passing. He was very nervous with his passing, almost never took a risk, but defensively, very sound. Right, let's just focus a little bit on the transfer speculation because there's lots of it about. Uh, Jovic, Hazard, Pogba. Um, how many of those do you think will arrive at the Bernabeu in the summer? I think two of them will arrive, but I don't really know which two. Uh, it seems unlikely to me that they'll get all three. That would be quite an impressive summer for Real Madrid. But I think they can get one and probably two of these guys. They've all been linked. They would all serve a need. And I think Real Madrid have the money to spend. Yeah, I think Pogba's probably the, the hardest of the three. Um, meanwhile, Athletic Club, what about their European chances now? Yeah, it's quite complicated for them. I mean, that loss was a bit of a disappointment. But remember, if Valencia uh, get to the, the Copa del Rey final, which they have done, if they don't win the Europa League and if they finish in the top six, then seventh place will also mean it's a Europa League spot for Athletic Club. And right now, that's the place they occupy. OK, uh, you and the other big game in Madrid was Hedafe against Sevilla. Finished 3-0 to the home side. Now, the man at the centre of this one was the referee, Mateo Laoz. He gave two penalties for handball in the first half, consulting VAR on both occasions. Uh, the spot kicks converted by Jaime Mata and Jorge Molina and also Sergio Escudero was sent off before the second pen. Uh, Hedafe then cut Sevilla to ribbons with their third. Uh, Gaku Shibasaki uh, to Mata down the right, centering to Molina to tap in. And then Hedafe defender Gene was later sent off for a challenge on Jesus Navas. So, uh, if game. Uh, let's focus on Matteo Laos, shall we? Handballs, penalties, red cards, VAR. Uh, what was your view of his display? Yeah, well, he was involved as he always is. Both of the penalties, I think, were penalties, but I guess it's a criticism of Matteo Lajos that he didn't spot them first time. He almost seemed a bit too focused on showing as many yellow cards as he could early on. This was always going to be a feisty game. Maybe another referee would have just had a word with some of those players for some of those early fouls. So not the best display from him, but in the end, he got all the big calls right. Now, Jorge Molina has got 13 La Liga goals for this season, 15 in all competitions. That means it's his best scoring season as a La Liga player at the age of 37. Um, how has he done it? I think he's at the right team to be scoring goals. I mean, if you're a good striker up front for Hitafi, you're going to score a lot of goals because, number one, they're a very good team. And number two, they don't really have players scoring from midfield. They put all the responsibility on whoever their striker is, which most of the time their main striker has been Molina. Of course, they've got Jaime Mata there as well. Of course, they've got Angel Rodriguez there as well. But Molina is always at the centre of the action with his hold-up play and with his ability to shoot as well. So he's going to get a lot of goals playing in that position he does on the team that he does. Why didn't Sevilla already get going in this game though, Ewan? Well, I think they actually started kind of well. They had probably the best of the opening 20 minutes, but then, of course, that penalty really just changed things for them. And then the red card, Tescudero, didn't help matters as well when they went 2-0 down. So Sevilla probably will be looking at this one wondering what exactly did they do wrong coming out from the tunnel? I don't think they did that much wrong. OK, so we've got Hedafe fourth again on 54 points, two points ahead of uh, Valencia now and Sevilla. Who's got the, the trickiest remaining games? 
I think it's probably Hitafi. Uh, they've got Real Madrid, of course, coming up. We've got a trip to the Camp Nou to come as well. And they've got to take on Villarreal, who'll probably be fighting for their lives on the final day. So I'd say Hitafi maybe have the most difficult schedule. I'd say Valencia probably have the easiest one, but, and there's a big but, they have those two fixtures against Arsenal, uh, which could take something out of them. Thanks for that, Ewan. Well, this was our chosen game for Partidas Predictions. No one added to their tally because none of us backed Hitafi to win. So it is as you were. Paco Polit has 28 points. Ewan and Romana joint second on 16. I'm on 15. Alex Johnson has 12 points. That's it for part one of this podcast. And in part two, we'll focus more closely on the relegation battle in La Liga with the remaining five teams trying to avoid finishing 18th. Catch you shortly. Welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown mini-pod with Redis Takanov and broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 in North America. So four games down, six more to recap from match day 33 and now it's all about the scrap to avoid the drop. Now they often say that home form keeps you up. Celta Vigo are certainly a case in point right now. It's the third win in a row at Balaidos after they beat Girona 2-1. Team goal put them ahead, finished off by Yago Aspas. Just into the second half, Porto equalised for the visitors after a very long wait for VAR to be checked and then give the goal. But Sofian Bufal then stepped into the box and bent a right foot shot just inside the far post for the winner uh, despite a couple of late scares uh, Alex Johnson was at that game at Balaidos for La Liga Lowdown so let's chat to her now um, Hi there Alex so the latest man to be inspired by Yago Aspas was Sofian Bufal an assist and a goal for him how has he grown in the last few games would you say? Well, one interesting fact with Bafal is he's actually the player with the most successful dribbles in La Liga this season, even ahead of Lionel Messi, which says a lot. And I think for me, he was one of those players who stood out even when Iago Aspas wasn't around. You could see those glimpses of brilliance of, of the individual skill that he possesses. The problem was that it didn't really lead to anything because he was doing it all on his own uh, as the team was not really a team. When Iago Aspas come back, it's a completely different Celta de Vigo where things actually leads to stuff and, and we are now seeing his skills being applied into a, a team kind of play and, and that's where it's actually becoming something out of it. And it's three home wins in a row uh, which takes Celta three points clear of the bottom three. So how key is this next week? They've got games at Espanyol and Leganes away from home. Yeah, for me, this is definitely the key matches for, for Celta. After that, they have Barcelona at home, which is a match they are still very optimistic about, but isn't a match to go for three points. And then they have a difficult away match Athletic Club. And they certainly doesn't want to come into the last match round not being safe uh, when they play Rio. So these are the two matches to win for them, without a doubt. And for Girona, five straight defeats. Now, very worrying times for El Sebio. Is it a, a deep psychological thing with them now? I think in some ways it always becomes a psychological thing when you go that many matches without a victory. But at this point, I think that even more dangerously is that it feels like the players are starting to lose the trust of their coach, of Esobio. And when that happens, it's very, very difficult to turn things around. Now, they switched formation at half-time. They brought on Juan Peter former back three. But they've switched formation so many times. How come they can't find the right solution when it was just so clear last season? 
Well, I think Girona last season and Girona this season are very, very different teams, mainly because Pablo Machine and Subio are two very different coaches with different type of ideas. Also, Machine had this clear idea of what he wanted to do, how his team was going to play, while Isubio seemingly can't decide what he wants to do. And that is quite worrying when you're at the end of the season and you still haven't figured that out. He keeps on changing his formations, his 11, and without any continuity, it's very difficult to make things work. Yeah, Girona in real trouble. Um, Alex, well, we've got you with us. Let's discuss Alaves 2, Real Valladolid 2. Alaves leading early on. John Giretti charged down. Yoel's clearance went straight in. Then Johnny curled in a free kick. That two went straight in. A 2-0 after 24 minutes. Uh, but Joaquin Fernandez glanced in ahead of Valladolid before half-time. And then Rodrigo Eli clumsily brought down Sergio Guardiola. And it's now converted the penalty to earn them a point 2-2. Uh, now, Alex, yes, it was a comeback. But... Their keeper, Joel, had a shocker for the goals that he conceded. How do you explain him starting ahead of Jordi Masip in this game for Valdoliv? Well, Jordi Masip has had a quite really good season, I would say. Uh, I've really enjoyed seeing him. But the last few matches, he's been struggling. He hasn't been at the same level than simple mistakes. And at this stage of the season, that can cost you a lot. Uh, which is why I think Sergio decided to give Joel the chance and definitely didn't work out. Though what it might have done for Violet is to wake Jordi Masip up a little bit and realise that his spot isn't 100% safe. And if they're lucky, he's going to return now more focused uh, in the last few matches. Hmm. Uh, they've been called the worst team in La Liga, Real Valladolid. Um, what's been their biggest problem? Well, overall quality in the squad is just not at the same level as the majority of the teams in La Liga, I'd say. And when you don't have the quality, then you really need to have the attitude. And lately, that they've been missing that as well. I think that they are the, the team in the relegation battle who's shown the least desire, the least will. They lose points very easy in that way and it just seems like they are giving up at some point. And of course, injuries. I mean, Keko and Borja Fernandez went off before half-time. I mean, how bad is their injury situation? Yeah, that is another huge weakness at Valladolid. They have so many injuries this season and, and the list is just getting longer and longer, which shows another thing which is the, the preparation just isn't at the same level as the other teams as well. And this is two injuries coming before half-time in a match. They already have injuries on, on important players like Pablo Hervias. But if you're going to find something small positive out of it, maybe it, it forces them to do some changes they wouldn't have done otherwise. And, and you never know in, in this type of situation. That might just be what, what actually helps them. Got to get creative. Um, Valdolid against Girona on Tuesday. Who do you bat for the win? Oh, it's a hard one. Uh, two teams struggling a lot. On paper, uh, I would definitely go with Girona, especially with a player like Suani. But then you have the comeback for Valladolid against Alaves that I think psychologically will help them a lot. It's two teams struggling a lot. And this match can go either way. I think it will determine a lot. But for me, it's impossible to say. Cheers, Alex. Well, let's head towards the east coast of Spain and another team trying to pull away from the drop zone. Well, after beating Girona last weekend, it was another vital three points for Villarreal. They won 2-1 at home to Leganes. Pablo Fornals found Javi Quintilla, his cross headed by Carlos Cuecambi. Pichu Cuellar parried, but Carlos Baca pounced for the opener. And then brilliant skill from Santi Casorla, who fed Cuecambi for their second. A lovely curled right for effort just inside the far post, before Nebel Eljar scored a late penalty for Leganes. Paco Bolit is our man in the Valencian community. Hi there, Paco. So a good week in La Liga for Villarreal. Two big wins in a row. So what's changed? 
I would like to say a lot has changed, but that wouldn't actually be true. Villarreal have the same strong and weak points as lately, but in the last 10 days, they were able to bounce back from four disappointing scores in a row, so I think saying that their mentality has improved and gotten more resilient would be pretty much on the mark. Now, Santi Casola dictated this game from start to finish. How pivotal has he been, especially since missing that penalty which would have drawn the game at Rabetis earlier this month? Uh, he was already one of Villarreal's highlights even before that. If you take away the first five or ten games this season when he was still recovering his form, remember he hadn't played for two years, Cazorla has been both the best player and the spiritual leader of the team. With Bruno absent due to injury and other strong personalities such as Iborra who came late in the game this season, Santi has been excellent and crucial for Villarreal's improvement. Now, Javi Quintilla helped set up the first goal. He seems to be being preferred to Jaume Costa and Afonso Pedraza at left-back. Just tell us a little bit about him. Uh, I saw him live in the game against Valencia 10 days ago in Stadio La Ceramica and in an overall disappointing night for the submarine, he was one of the few players to really deliver. He's very quick, he has lots of discipline on the left wing and he isn't shy to run and get involved in offensive plays as it happened this weekend. In a year where the team has been in dire straits, looking at the cantera was mandatory and it seems Javi Calleja has found a hidden gem in their academy. And Villarreal now four points clear of the bottom three. Their running is Real Sociedad away, Huesca at home, Real Madrid away, Eibar at home, Getafe away. So how many points do they need to stay up? Uh, I think Villarreal will be clear from danger with two more wins. 42 points. That's my magic number in a very balanced competition. So those home games against Huesca and Eibar are the ones to be won. We'll see if they get there. OK, let's go back to the race for fourth place. Teman Valencia winning 2-1 at Real Betis. Their opener came just before half-time. A substitute Rodrigo running at goal, a passing to Gonzalo Guedes, who seemed to turn into trouble, but then he fired home from distance anyway. And Guedes repeated the trick at the start of the second half. Short corner worked to him, and the Portuguese beat Paulo Lopez again from the edge of the D. Giovanni Dos Celso converted a penalty after Gabriel's handball, and Rodrigo was then sent off for a second yellow card. Uh, well, Paco, what a clinical display again from Gonzalo six goals so far from him this month how do you defend against him I don't really know uh, six goals this month eight goals in the last 10 games he's just unstoppable nowadays and that's maybe the best news for Valencia in fact I dare to say that without his three month injury and the recovery period he needed later the team would be with a comfortable lead in the race for the fourth spot. If Barca lose Messi or Atletico can't play Griezmann, the team loses a lot of firepower. And that's what Valencia have endured this season. What about Rodrigo's red card, Denis Cherchev's injury? How much of a setback are those ahead of Wednesday's trip to Atletico? Well, big problems. Uh, Cherishev's injury was unlucky and we'll still have to see if he will be able to play again this season. But it's a huge blow for Marcelino as playing the Russian on the wing allowed him to place Guedes a second forward. And in that position, he has been riotous lately. And regarding Rodrigo's red, it was a mistake, period, but that's it. We shouldn't be too harsh on him. It will weaken Valencia against Atletico, but here's hope he becomes a crucial player once again in the remaining games. And Rabetis, I mean, it's four defeats in six for them. Why did it take them so long to respond in this game? Because they don't have a B plan when things don't work. Kike Setien is all about ball possession and that worked in favour of Valencia, actually, as they could easily rob the ball and quickly make the transition into the counter-offense. Uh, Betis lack imagination and resources to play a different style of football when the game requires so. And that is the difference between simple good teams and truly great teams. And Paco, as you know, uh, Valencia faced an old boss in Unai Meri when they take on Arsenal in the Europa League semi-finals. Interesting clash of styles, this. Uh, how do Valencia approach it then? 
um, by keeping their identity as untouched as possible. Emery's style in some way resembles Kike Setien's. He's a fan of domination of the game through possession, and we have seen that such a style benefits Valencia when their forward player are in top form. If Guedes is still on fire 15 days from now, and Rodrigo and Gamero also hit the stride, Valencia have plenty of chances of moving on to the Europa League final. Thanks, Paco. Well, let's round up the other two games on match day 33 in La Liga. Levante drew 2-2 with Espanyol, who opened the scoring after a brilliant flowing counter-attack finished off by Borja Iglesias. Levante equalised just after the hour. Jose Campaña's free kick went over everyone except Ruben Beso, who headed home at the far post. Immediately after, Victor Sanchez's up and under was headed across goal by Naldo and Marc Roca turned it home for 2-1. But Ruben Rochina's rocket from the edge of the box made it 2-2 before he was sent off for a rash challenge on Borja Iglesias. Levante's winless streak stretches to nine games. Atletico Madrid snatched all three points at Eibar, but keeper Marco Dimitrovic almost singled handedly got the host to draw. He saved brilliantly from Angel Correa, Coque and Diego Godin before he was eventually beaten by Thomas Lamar on 85 minutes. Atleti were without both Diego Costa and Antoine Griezmann but they keep the title race alive for another week. Here is the table then after 33 games. Barcelona top on 77 points, Atletico second on 68, Real Madrid third on 64, Hetafe now go fourth on 54 points, Valencia fifth and Sevilla sixth both on 52. At the sharp end, bottom side, Huesca have 26 points. Then Rayo, our second bottom on 28. Badolid, third bottom on 32. And then it's Levante on 34. Girona also 34. Celta 35. And Villarreal up to 36. Well, that's it for this La Liga Lowdown mini pod. Don't forget to keep across our Twitter feed, which is at La Liga Lowdown. Plenty of midweek action to keep you entertained with match day 34 between Tuesday and Thursday, including Atletico versus Valencia, Badolid, Girona and Getafe against Real Madrid. That is your La Liga Lowdown. See you next time. This was a Radio Staccato production. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24.